Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6 reads as follows. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. Notice what the scripture says here. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Notice what he says in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. But in understanding, be mature. Be mature. Based on what I've just read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Mature understanding. Mature understanding. Maturity can be defined as a, uh, that a, excuse me, maturity can be defined as a person that is full grown or an adult in terms of behavior, attitude, and decision making. We can begin to see more of a natural size of a mature person when you see such things as the realization that I don't know as much as I thought I knew, a tendency to listen more and to speak less, becoming more aware and considerate of others to oppose, or excuse me, as opposed to being so self-centered or so self-absorbed, not taking everything personally, not getting easily offended or feel like I need to defend myself. The antithesis or the opposite of a mature person is an immature person. That person is in a state of being not fully grown or at least not acting in a childish or, or they're acting in a childish or a silly manner when it comes to important decision makings. And I've learned over the years, you can't even go by age when you think somebody's supposed to be mature. Because sometimes people can be older but act immature. There's some people that is younger than them. Just like mature people have certain gestures, signs, and so forth that an immature, that a, uh, excuse me, that a mature person have, immature people have certain signs too. They become easily upset or overwhelmed. They have childish behaviors such as getting mad, throwing a fit, stomping around, and slamming doors. You know, that's the sign of an immature person right there. Showing a lack of empathy for others. Low tolerance for stress and anxiety. Tendency to lose it during stressful times when it's during stressful times. And this could also, this could also lead to health problems. Easily offended and does not like feedback or correction. That's a sign of an immature person. Now, when it comes to being a Christian, we want to be known or recognized or identified as mature people. We want to be mature when it comes to spiritual and natural matters. Mature when it comes to paying our bills on time. Mature when handling our funds uh, after we're giving God his tithes and the good offerings. Mature in hearing, apply, hearing and applying God's written and revealed word. Mature in praying and fasting. When it comes to loving and checking on our brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
and operating in faith, we want to be known as mature individuals. Want to be not immature, not checking on people, but mature because we are praying for people as well as checking on them. When it comes to our auxiliaries, uh, we have meetings regularly. We start and we end on time. We do our part to make our auxiliary better. See, mature Christians operate in faith and not in feelings. They function. They work, walk by faith and not by sight. They believe in scriptures and they, and they love scriptures like Proverbs 3 and verse 5, like we read earlier, which tells us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your knowledge. Don't lean on your discernment. Because they understand they must rely on Jesus with their whole heart and not be so quick to find security and comfort in their own understanding. Because one thing they realize and they understand that our understanding is finite, is limited. But when we talk to God, God is unlimited. He has unlimited uh, understanding and unlimited resources. Proverbs 3 and 6 tells us, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him. Learn about him. Recognize his plan for your life. Recognize his pattern that he has for you. Mature folks see the necessity in coming into the house of God with a mind focus in on giving, a mind focus in on prayer, praise, worship, giving, receiving God's written and revealed word. They focus, they are attentive to that. When they come into the house of God, they come with the mindset, I've got to hear a word from the Lord. I've got to understand what the Spirit of God is saying in my life. I need to know that God has a word. I, listen, I come down this road right here expecting to hear a word from God because I know God has my best interest at heart. Listen, I know you, you like me and I appreciate you liking me, but I pr- know that God has my best interest in mind. That's why we understand that we need to recognize God and his voice when it comes to the area of our finances, relationships, business decisions, marriage, single life, parenting, and such life. We need to acknowledge him, accept his is uh, his wisdom in our life and discern what is God and what is not of God. Now, let's go at First Corinthians 14 and 20. Notice what it says. Brother, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. Now, we know Paul is the author of the book of First uh, Corinthians. He has written this letter to the Corinthian church. This was in the early stages of the church. And as they were being led by the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit were manifesting themselves in the church. Now, since they were a young church, they didn't quite understand all of the different gifts and how they were manifesting themselves and how to properly use them for the benefit of the congregation. And so they were trying to figure out the, the, the church dynamics of this particular church. 
That's why Paul writes, one of the reasons why Paul writes his letters, because he had to deal with several different matters as related to the Corinthian church. For example, they had spiritual gifts manifested. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 through 13, Paul deals with the different spiritual gifts and also the dangers of the vision in the church. He also dealt with spiritual wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. Understanding that spiritual wisdom was much different than natural wisdom. And so he had to explain to them what the difference was. So in turn, they would lean on their own understanding, but it, they would learn like Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And we know that God's wisdom is high above natural man's wisdom. And thank God for that, because natural man's wisdom will get you messed up. But godly wisdom will have you delivered, it'll have you uh, prospering, it'll have you walking in the favor of God for your life. The Corinthian church uh, also consisted of members who were known or recognized as being sanctified members. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, one of the things I, I, I've got to also mention, too, he also dealt with the area of carnality and immaturity in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, it reads as follows. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and so seeth our brother to the church of God, which is at Corinth. So notice this, Paul was writing to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who were sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, were all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So we see here in the, in the text, he is writing to people, writing to people who we, excuse me, who we deem as sanctified. And I truly believe that we should be known as individuals who are sanctified. Now, what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be separate from profound things or ungodly things and dedicated to God. So I'm separated from the world, but I'm dedicated to God. One of the dangers you can find yourself is, is that you can separate from worldly things and think you can operate in a state of doing nothing. You will find yourself in a bad place. Why is that, Pastor Dobbs? When you, listen, when you separate from the world, you better grab a hold of God. Because God is your refuge. He is a present help in the time of need. And if you don't grab a hold of God, the enemy will come back and snatch you back in your state of, of what I call, let's say, mediocre, I should say. You need to make sure when you leave drinking, when you leave lying, when you leave unbelief, that you grab a hold of God. Because God will be your refuge. He will help you get, get over the attacks of the enemy. And you know how it is because if, if, if you live long enough, you understand that if you leave the things of the world, that the enemy will, will not let you go so easily. And you know, some people, when they don't let, excuse me, when they don't grab a hold of God, Quick enough, the enemy will come and he'll bring them back into the things that he had them in. You can be saved for a number of years and if you ain't careful, the enemy will bring you back into the things that you were once delivered from. 
He will bring you back. If you was an individual who used to do evil, do uh, uh, things that were ungodly, the enemy will bring you back into the things that you would once deliver from. That's why it's important that you dedicate your life to God. To be free from the guilt and condemnation of sin. That's a person who is sanctified. And notice what else. In Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Saints, pure, morally blameless, consecrated. Excuse me, say, let me say this part about this. When it comes to saints, you're morally blameless, you're consecrated because of the blood of Jesus that was shed back at the cross at Calvary. Thank God for the blood, because if it had not been for the blood, we would not be here on a Sunday morning. The blood of Jesus is what keeps us when all when we try to keep ourselves. The blood is what we need in order to be a saint of the Most High God. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Mature folks understand that it is an honor to be called a sanctified saint where an immature person may see it as being shameful. It's an honor. It's a distinction. It's a privilege. It is something of high respect and integrity when they called you a, 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 a sanctified saint because you understand what that means according to the word of God. No, no doubt Paul could address these topics with people who could, who only, ser- who only, he could not serve these, excuse me, he could not address these people with, with people who only serve God through obligation and not see it as an opportunity. Paul would also have a difficult time instructing believers who were more, fo- more focused on their desires more than God desires. It's hard to talk to people that's more concerned about their, their will being done than God's will being done. Folks who have more confidence in their understanding more than God's understanding. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, let's go over there. One of the things that Paul addressed in this particular chapter here is what I would call communication. Communication can be defined as the imparting of information or news. It is the means of sending or receiving information. It is also the act of conveying meanings from one entity or group to another through the use of a mutually understood mode of transferring the message so that the other parties understand what has been conveyed. It is also the imparting or exchanging of thoughts, ideas, opinions, writings, speech, and so forth. Let me read this definition to you again. That communication be defined as the imparting of information or news. It is the means of sending or receiving information. It is also the act of conveying, conveying from one entity or group to another through the use of a mutually understood mode of transferring the message so that the other party understand what has been conveyed. You don't communicate if the other party doesn't understand what you're saying. Get that in your mind. You do not communicate if the other party does not understand what you are saying. That's important for us to understand. It is the imparting of exchange or exchange of thoughts, opinions, ideas, writings, speech, etc. Now, let me. I want to use. I'm going to try to give you a hopefully a natural example to help you along the way. Uh, let me see, brothers, Xavier, come up for a moment. Why don't you stand right there for me, sir? Now, 
I want you to notice this right here. This says treasure on it. Treasure. Treasure. And inside of this treasure is a treasure. A $20 bill. $20 bill. $20 bill. $20 bill. Now, Brother Zayden, I want you to go back to the back wall. I mean, excuse me. Go out. Don't, I mean, excuse me, around the hall so you can't see in here from I'm going to hide this from you, okay? Now I'll call you back in in just a moment. Now I want you to watch where I hide from. I'm going to make sure y'all know where I hide it at, okay? All right, Xavier, come back in. All right, you can sit right there. You sit back there. Now, I've got a treasure for Xavier. Got a treasure for Xavier. Keep that in mind. Because think about this. Communication is important. Communication is important. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, it's imperative... When what one of the things Paul talked about was is how leadership communicated with others in the congregation, as well as though as the congregation needed to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who needed to hear the the message of salvation. They need to hear it with a clear, concise manner so that it could be easy to understand. Go to First Corinthians fourteen and nine. First Corinthians fourteen and nine. So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongues words easy to understand, how will be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. Now, if I was to give him instructions on how to get to it, I want you to read my sign language now, Xavier, how to get to your treasure. Pinto beans, cornbread, black eyed peas, Toyota, Honda, and Camry. All right. Can you find it now, Xavier? What? They're words, but they're not getting the message across to them. Y'all follow me? Now, it's interesting. Nobody told him in here where it was hidden at. I, know, I didn't tell you you couldn't. You just didn't tell him. Now, what, what does that mean? Okay, fast, now you look at me funny. I know, I know. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we expect people to know salvation and we don't even tell them about it? Isn't it amazing how we expect for them to know about the treasure, but we don't communicate with them about the treasure? We expect for them to just know it when they walk in the room. We just expect for them to have not, look, I, you just get yours like I had to get mine. We don't share with them what needs, how, in other words, what needs to be known. I didn't say you couldn't tell them where it was at. You just assume, because I didn't say anything, that I couldn't share. But how many times do we assume that people already know the gospel and don't share with them the good news of Jesus Christ? And sometimes, how do we, sometimes, why are we so talking so away up here with words that don't help him get to the treasure? 
And this is what was happening in this church. Now, I know it's kind of a, 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 a little out there example, but I thought about this from our standpoint. How many times do people, and, and this, just like not saying nothing, well, I'm not going to say, I'm going to wait till they say something. I'm going to wait till they say something. I'm going to wait till they say something. Well, why do you say anything? I'm just what you think a little bit. Hold on, I got you, baby. I got you. When we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, we should know the scriptures concerning salvation in such a way we can communicate it to others in a way that it will be clear, it will be distinct, and it will be definite. So in turn, they can make a decision on whether or not they want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. We don't have to get real deep with it, but just make it plain and so they can understand it. But we need to know the gospel in a way that is plain so that people can receive what we're saying. That was one of the problems that the church was having. The people were not receiving what was being said. They knew they had the word, but they was talking in such a language. Paul said, you like throwing words up in the air. People are not getting what needs to be said. And that is so important that people need to hear and understand that we got the gospel of Jesus Christ that can get people delivered, that can get people protected, and get cause people to prosper. And we, but we need to share it with people. We need to share it with them. See, when we, another area, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 14 and 16. Another area of sharing information that Paul addressed is, is how they say amen with us if they do not understand what's being said. Notice 1 Corinthians 14 and 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uniform say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? See, we just don't say amen to everything. Amen means so be it. It is so. It also means I own what you say. I own what you say. Now, y'all remember what was in the envelope, right? Did I put sickness in that envelope? So he don't need to own that, do he? Did I put lying in the envelope? So he don't need to own that, does he? He owns what I put in the envelope. Oh, y'all missed that. Quit trying to own stuff that God never gave you. Depression. God never gave you that. Listen, going through all these different changes, listen, upset, mad, and so forth, but God never gave you that. When God makes you a promise and he shows you what the promise is, all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. When he gives you that, that's what you claim. If God didn't give it to you, don't claim it. See, this is what some people do. They start claiming stuff God never put in the envelope. Why are you claiming what God never put in the envelope? That's why he said, you don't say amen to everything you don't understand. If you don't understand it, it's not lined up with God's word. Just leave it down. I don't have to say amen to you. Uh, if I just don't agree, I just don't agree. They're going to be mad. Listen, 
there's some people right now that will get upset with you if you don't agree with them. But that's okay, though. It's all right. Because, you know, what? I ain't got to agree with you. As long as I agree with God, I'm going to be all right. Lord, look how you're looking. Boy, that's good, Lord. Let me say this to you. God has the final say-so. God has the final say-so. I agree with God. How many agree with God in the sanctuary? Hallelujah. Hope you can see how important it is for leaders to help others receive the gospel with understanding whether in the church or outside the church. Sometimes our life is the only book that others will read. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 and 19. Remember now, this is leading up to 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. I believe it's important for us to communicate words that will teach others in a manner that will cause us to think, talk, and conduct their lives more like Jesus. What is that? 14 and 19. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a talk. Now, he didn't say tongues was wrong. He said, but when it comes to teaching, I rather give you five words that you understand. Five words that you understand. And in other words, to lead you to the treasure. I want you to get to the treasure. Words that you understand. Xavier, I'll give you some words that you can understand. I need you to stand up, Xavier. You understand that part? I need you to walk to the front. Now you have to help me out a little bit here, Xavier. Xavier, I need you to pull that chair up right there. Yeah, look at the bottom and see if something under it. All right, let me try. Try that chair right there. One chair got something under it. I don't know which one. You have to pull it all the way up now, okay? The last one right there. All right, try that right there. I'm going to find it sooner or later because I know it's in here. <laughs> no? No, sir. Stay right there. See it? Hold on now, hold on, hold on. Now, Xavier, I want you to stand right there and read what's in that envelope. Because I know sometimes people try to get people to a treasure. But I'm trying to get people to the treasure. What's it? What, it's read one word. I'm going Salvation. Oh. So I didn't get him to a treasure. I got him to... What's the second word? Deliverance. Okay. So y'all worried about the 20. I tried to get their brother something more important than the 20. You worried about his schooling? You worried about his career? You worried about his relationship? I'm trying to get him somewhere that's more important than the $20 bill. What's the next one? What now? Protection. Oh. Oh, what else you got on there? Prosperity. Oh. What else you got on there? What? Healing. Oh. And what's that last thing on there? Heaven. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now, hold on now. We ain't done yet. 
Because if he got that, according to Matthew 6 and 33, seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you, you ain't finished yet, bro. I need you to go down there on that last bench over there, last chair. Right, yeah, yeah, pull that up, bro. Pull that up. Cause if you got that, God ain't got no problem in getting get you. What's in there, bro? So that's you. Oh, you go, you go sit down there, man. You, you, you help me out a whole bunch of you. You'll help me preach here. Because too many people try and see when we're communicating, we may try to communicate everything else except the treasure. When we need to make sure we get people the treasure instead of a treasure. See, this treasure, he got that first, that real, that real treasure. That's going to last him for eternal life. That's going to keep him when everything else is going on. That 20 may get him over for as long as $20 get him over. But, the real treasure is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our deliverer, our protection, and our prosperity. I'd rather say five words that he understood to get to the salvation part than to be saying a whole lot of pinto beans and cornbread and black-eyed peas and Toyota and Honda and Suzuki and everything else that he don't quite witness. Well, how am I going to get my treasure talking all this kind of stuff? Are y'all seeing that? But see, this is what a mature person would do. A mature person will help you get to the treasure. But an immature person is so concerned about how does he get to a treasure. Are y'all seeing that? And see, Paul had a problem with the church because they were this church because they were so busy trying to do all this other stuff that they missed out on the treasure. Why are we communicating? Why are we telling you all this different stuff when this has not, this won't get you delivered? This won't get you, keep you protected. This won't keep you prosper. This will not keep you in the will of God. You're so busy trying to get a treasure, you miss the treasure. And Paul was saying, listen, y'all so busy doing all this stuff, got all these things. They had a lot of issues going on. If you read that chapter, this is stuff I could have covered, man. You're like, oh, Lord, what pastor I was covering that for? But I'm, I'm not. But cost why? The important thing is the treasure. And Paul said mature people will help people get to the treasure. And he was speaking not only to the church, but he was speaking to the congregation as well. Because the congregation needed to understand, hey, y'all got a, y'all got a treasure hidden in earthen vessels. Y'all got to share it with folks. Y'all sitting around here talking about, well, they, they, he walk, he walk, he finally find his own $20 bill. He get his own thing. No. If we have the message that will help people, we need to be sharing it with others. That's a mature individual. That's a mature individual. Let's go back. I, I know I gave you a lot, but I'm going to. And I forgot to start my clock, so y'all pray my strength of the Lord. All right? Here we go. So now. In my opinion, it's hard to trust the Lord wholeheartedly if one is leaning on their own understanding. 
See, in your own understanding, you thought I had missed it a little bit because I couldn't find my note. I led him in a place that wasn't over there. And sometimes you got, listen, you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Because you got to understand something. Sometimes I may do something you may not understand, but understand I know something you didn't know. I knew what I put, or at least I thought I knew what I put. The information, but God knows where He puts everything in. That's why you walk by faith and not by sight. It may not make, see, even when you see stuff, you can't always go by what you see. Think you know what's more valuable or what's valuable than anybody else. You got to believe what God knows about your life. If God, you think that's the way to go, but God said, no, I got something better for you. Even when you're looking at your own understanding, even when you see something with your own mindset, that, that can't be right. He can't have nothing more valuable than that $20 bill over there. But really, he had something more valuable over here than he did over there. But lean on your own understanding. That's immaturity. That's why he said, Paul said, don't be, don't be a child in your understanding. Don't be a child in your understanding. But you got to mature in your understanding when it comes to the things of God. God don't go, go by what we see and how we operate in. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now, I want to go a little further because I'm going to deal a little bit about this, this um, in, in 14, 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brothers, do not be children in understanding. So he says, don't be youth, don't be immature in your what? Understanding, in your perception and your judgment. Let's deal with that word understanding. Understanding, what he talks about perception, means to be in awareness, our ability to interpret things. Also, too, in judging our opinions and giving a vertigo. See, Paul wanted them to have faith and trust in his teaching more than what they were dealing with in that situation. He wanted them to believe that what he written, he, what he wrote to this church was going to help them. And I'm going to share something with you. I'm going to share a little bit later, but I feel like, feel like share it now. He knew that sooner or later, that church was going to run across some trials and some tribulations. And if they didn't understand who God was, trials and tribulations will mess you up. You need to know who God is when, the, when walking with Jesus gets a little bit rough. You need to know who Jesus is when things are not going the way you think they ought to go. You better know who Jesus is. And Paul knew they were a young church, but sooner or later, hey, you know how that new car smell went off. And y'all know how that car got to be clean. And you know sooner or later them tires will have to be rotated. And one day you can go and say, I want you to rotate my tires. And they're going to tell you, hey, we can't rotate these tires no more. <laughs> you rotate them till they can't be rotated no more. <laughs> and so <laughs> you're like, hold on. Can I get at least one more rotation before you go? <laughs> and so you have to do some maintenance on that car. The thing I'm saying is you have to do maintenance on yourself. You have to study to show thyself approved. You have to pray. You have to, listen, seek God for yourself. You have to know who Jesus is. And I've got to, Paul said, 
in this church, I've got to get you to teach the people in a manner that they understand. So in turn, if they understand, they can trust the Lord wholeheartedly. And if they don't understand when they go through trials and tribulation, therefore you can't afford to miss the teaching that come forth on a week-by-week basis. Because you don't know what's coming your way. And you need knowledge and understanding to deal with your life. To deal with your job. To deal with your business. To deal with your family. You need knowledge and understanding. Everybody in the sanctuary. I need it. You need it. Everybody here needs it. We need knowledge and understanding to deal. Because we can't go by, lean on our understanding when it comes to our family. We've got to acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our path. Now, I want to say this to you. He added something in this text here that's kind of interesting to me. He says, in malice be babes. In malice and evil. Malice is evil, wickedness. Uh, evil, wickedness, and trouble. Ill will. He says, be babes. Be innocent like a child. So when it comes to these things, we need to be babes. Don't act like you're growing up when it comes to evil stuff. Don't act like you're growing up when it comes to evil stuff. Some of y'all got that. Let me try that two more times to make sure you get it. When it comes to being evil, wicked, and trouble, he says don't be growing up doing evil stuff. Don't be, don't be growing up doing malice, evil, wicked, and trouble stuff. But he says be babes. In other words, be innocent when it comes to those different things. But in understanding, be mature, not foolish or childlike. I'm sure he, I'm sure uh, Paul really, I'm sure they really thought about what Paul said in that particular text because, you know, it's almost like he threw it out there of nowhere. But Paul knew what he was saying. He knew what he was saying. Let's go to Romans 12 and 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Romans 12 and 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be fashioned. Don't be patting yourself. Don't cause your mind to think like the world. See, when it comes to maturity, maturing, you got to transform your mind. you got to change it to another form. you got to transfigure it. How you do it? By the renewing of your mind. So you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's go to another scripture that talks about renewing your mind or being mature. Philippians 3.15. Philippians 3.15. Therefore, let us, as many are mature... Have this mind, and if anything you think you're, excuse me, you think otherwise, God reveal even this to you. So notice this, therefore let us, as many as are mature, mature means full grown, not immature or childish, have this mind, the understanding and the thinking. If anything you think otherwise, God reveal this to you. So we have to mature, mature ourselves. One of the things we need to understand that God would not make you Mature. you got to mature yourself. You've got to mature yourself. How do we do that? I believe truly being led by the Holy Spirit will help you to be mature. Go to John 16 and 13. John 16 and verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, 
He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So however he, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to give guidance into what? All truth. Well, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. See, immature understanding does not cause one to become stable in the faith. Immature understanding does not cause one to become stable in the faith. Especially when the storms of life head your way. And God knows he wants your soul to be anchored in the Lord. I may agree with that. When Paul made the statement that in understanding we must mature, it's a choice that every believer must make. We got to, every day you got to make a choice to mature, to grow, to be productive. You got to make a choice. I can't come down there and force you to do it. Lady Dobbs can't come down there and force you to do it. You got to get in the word for yourself. You got to get in the word for yourself. When a believer is mature, one thinks, talks, and conducts their life according to God's written and revealed word. I got two more scriptures. Go to Matthew 4 and 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we see that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word. We live by that. We think by that. We talk by that. We act by that. According to God's written and revealed word. That's how we do it. Now, I want to give you one last scripture, Luke 2 and 52. Luke 2 and 52. I want to give you, in my opinion, the best example I can give you of a maturing understanding. Or the importance of maturing in your understanding, I should say. I'm going to read it to you and go back and explain it to you. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. One key factor that we must have a lifestyle of developing and hearing and applying God's written and revealed word. It must be our lifestyle. You can't do this once a, once a year. Every, every other month, bi-weekly and stuff like that. This must be your lifestyle. A lifestyle. A lifestyle in hearing and applying the word. Even Jesus was a man. I want you to notice his definition. He increased. Notice how he increased. Now, increase means he progressed, he advanced, and he developed. So when Jesus increased, notice the scripture there. And Jesus increased. That means he progressed. He advanced and he developed. One area was in wisdom. Wisdom is divine knowledge. Divine knowledge. The management of affairs, intelligence, acquired skills in different areas and so forth. The second definition, a word he gives is statue. One main definition of statue is maturity. Maturity. If Jesus had to increase Immaturity, what about us? What about us? If Jesus had to increase in stature, which is maturity, who are we to say we don't need to increase? Who are we to say we don't need to develop? Who are we to say that we don't need to have to mature in our understanding? Because if Jesus 
Who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And who is our Messiah? Who is our perfect example? If he had to do it, who are we? We need to be in a position that our lifestyle is that we are maturing in wisdom and stature. And in favor with God, favor means grace, that which benefits somebody, mercy, that which brings joy with God and man. So yet those says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and statue and in favor. Three areas, and the one we're emphasizing is the statue because it means one word definition is maturity. Excuse me, yeah, maturity. We got to mature in our understanding. Mature in our understanding. Stand to your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.